a gig on Broadway, a Nickelodeon show, and a voice so powerful it was considered once in a generation. Ariana Grande was on the path to superstardom, but 2017 would show the singer just how awful and heartbreaking fame can be. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello, Michelle Andrews. We are at part two of our three-part series on Ariana Grande. Let's have a chat about what we spoke about in the first episode because when we were trying to remind ourselves, we covered so much. Perhaps our most jam-packed scandal episode ever. We began with her home life. Her parents split when she was very young. It is crystal clear based on Ariana's quotes in interviews and her song lyrics that she believes her dad did something dodgy to her mum. We want to know what it is. I don't think we'll ever find out. Oh, I don't think we will either. Now, Ariana sort of broke into the scene at 15 when she landed a role on Broadway. She became a Nickelodeon kid at 16 with the show Victorious. And within the next two years, she was pursuing music. Her songs initially, like especially her debut single, which was more of a bubblegum pop (laughs) sort of anthem, did well with her existing audience, but it didn't do much beyond that. And I think the whole point for her was to find a new fan base. And and she didn't do that initially. Yeah. From mid-2012, she was dating Jay from the Janoskians. Jay says that... She broke his little heart and he told the world as such in an extremely long, extremely emotional Twitter statement that we enjoyed reading out. As that Janoskian's drama was happening, Ariana was actually also having issues on the set of Sam and Cat. That was her buddy series with Jeanette McCurdy. Now, according to Jeanette's memoir, I'm Glad My Mum Died, the two stars were, it seemed to be treated a little bit differently by Nickelodeon, Zara. Yeah, especially... According to Jeanette and Jeanette's memoir, anyway, as you say, the show abruptly ended after 36 episodes. So I think it would be fair to say it didn't really fulfill its potential. Mm. And I think it could be said as well that this was because of the behind the scenes tension that was going on. In August 2013, Ariana's debut album, Yours Truly, came out. She really cemented herself as like this incredible vocalist that was compared to Mariah Carey. Mm. A year later, she was dating Big Sean. Not without controversy, though, Naya Rivera, Sean's late ex-fiance, implied in her memoir a few years later that the timelines, in her opinion, were a bit funky, but Sean always insisted that he didn't cheat. Yes. So Sean and Ariana broke up after less than a year together, and it seems like it was just conflicting schedules. She was going on tour. mid Tour. Ariana found herself in the middle of Donut Gate, where she appeared to lick display donuts on security cam footage. While she licked them, or immediately after, she declared a hatred for America and Americans. That's also how the world found out Ariana was dating one of her backup dancers. It was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. Her handling of that was interesting, to say the least. We have so much more to discuss, though, so let's do that. Let's rewind all the way back to 2016. All right, Zara. So as we said in the last episode, Ariana was single again. That is until August 23, 2016, when TMZ ran this story. Ariana Grande lip lock with another rapper. The article read, Ariana Grande and Mac Miller are going very public with their relationship, sucking down sushi and each other's faces, (laughs) and we got the pics. The couple hit up Katsu Ya in the valley Sunday night and couldn't keep their hands off of each other 
other, kissing and giggling through the meal. Witnesses tell us at one point Ariana was even lying in his lap. So the news piece <laughs> was accompanied by pap photos of Ariana and Mac Miller clearly kissing at the restaurant. Now, as we know, Ariana and Mac Miller met years ago when they collaborated on one of her first songs, mm. The Way. And Mac is a really crucial, crucial figure in Ariana's story. So let's do a little bit of background on who he was at this point, Mish. Yeah. By 2016, Mac Miller was a hugely popular, prolific and really well-respected rapper. His major label debut, which was 2015's Good AM, was certified gold, while the single Weekend was certified platinum. As per Vogue, before Mac had even reached the legal drinking age, he was touring around the world with Lil Wayne and 2 Chains. So by the time Mac and Ariana had gotten together at the ages of 24 and 23 respectively, he had already gone through a pretty serious struggle with drugs. In September 2016, he was reportedly sober as per Vogue. As is the case with so many talented young people who become rich and successful at lightning speed, soon enough, Miller was pretty heavily hooked on drugs. But that's all in the past now, 88 days in the past to be exact. And during our conversation with Miller, he openly admits that at this point in his career, he's on something else entirely, love. Cute. Around this time, Ariana also went Instagram official with Mac. She posted a photo of herself hugging a man but had tagged his account in the photo and captioned that post, baby. Yeah, so (laughs) pretty obvious, I guess. Ariana featured on Mac Miller's song, My Favourite Part, around this time. And as reported by Seventeen, he shared that it was this duet that sort of brought them closer together. He said, we made that song and started becoming close again. It's very dope and I like how that worked out. Everything just happened organically. We love making music together. We do that always. But she's my best friend in the world. So Mac and Ariana were on in a big way. Ariana was doing really well both personally and professionally. She was obviously wildly in love as they were both telling the media. She was also heading out on a massive world tour, her biggest to date. It was for her album Dangerous Woman. And things were going really well. Yeah, and she was working on a new album. So at this point in the timeline, we have to fast forward slightly to 2017 to touch on one of the saddest and certainly most tragic in now 23-year-old Ariana's career. I think a lot of our listeners will know we're about to touch on what happened at Manchester. And I think... It goes without saying that what happened at Manchester is definitely sort of different to what we would normally Mm. cover in one of these episodes. It goes without saying it's not a scandal. It was one of the most devastating things to happen to the UK. And we want to be really delicate in how we cover it because it was such a hugely tragic event in so many people's lives. But we also mm-hmm. know if we're telling the story of Ariana Grande, we can't ignore that at all. It's a huge part of her story and a huge part of what she decided to do next, Mish. A massive part of her story. So the context you guys need is that while Ariana was working on her new album, she was touring with Dangerous Woman. She had kicked off a 76-date tour in Phoenix, Arizona on Feb 3. The tour kicked off through North America in Feb, March and April, and then the European leg kicked off in May. So on May 22, 2017, Ariana performed at Manchester Arena to a little over 14,000 people. She began her set at 9pm and the concert ended just before 10.30. 
Yeah, exactly right. Now, sometime very shortly after 10.30, as the lights were going up in the arena and pink balloons were released from the rafters, there was a really loud explosion. We know now, of course, this was a terrorist attack. The explosion was caused by an improvised device that was detonated by the perpetrator who did die in the blast. And the explosion killed 22 people and wounded more than 800 others. Children were among those killed in the blast. We decided that rather than kind of go through a timeline of the attack itself, we're going to talk about some of the victims and their loved ones. Yeah. So one victim was Safi Rose Roussos. She was eight years old when she died. And after her death, her dad described her as his perfect, precious and beautiful daughter. It's like the best artists got together and drew her mm. from top to toe. She reportedly loved to dance. She loved to make people laugh and was a really beautiful little eight-year-old girl. It's a really beautiful quote from her mm. dad. There was also 14-year-old Nell Jones, who was a popular schoolgirl who went to the concert with a friend of hers. Her parents said that friendship was deeply important to her. They said, if you were a friend of Nell's, you were in good hands. There was also 14-year-old Sorel Lazowski, who liked to watch YouTube videos and decorate her room using her love of craft. She apparently dreamed of being an architect. There was also 14-year-old Elodie McLeod, who was described as a bundle of fun, who loved makeup, music, social media, and Harry Potter. Other names were 19-year-old Liam Curry and 17-year-old Chloe Rutherford, who were a couple who attended the concert together. Chloe liked to write music. Liam enjoyed cricket and riding his bike. You can read all about these 22 people who lost their lives on the BBC website. They did incredible tributes to every single one of them. And we're going to put that in our show notes because it's such a hugely important part, the most important part mm. of this story. You can also donate to Winston's Wish, a charity in the UK that provides support to children dealing with grief. Shameless Media has made a donation as well to Winston's Wish. And it goes without saying, Mish, the ripple effects of this attack were felt across the world. As we know, Ariana wasn't physically injured in the blast, but of course was pretty deeply traumatised by the event. She would go on to share more about this in the years following, but for now we're kind of going to keep to the timeline. Yeah, five hours after the bombing took place, she tweeted, broken. From the bottom of my heart, I am so, so sorry. I don't have the words. I imagine there must have been so much going through her mind in the aftermath of this. It would have been completely troubling and completely heartbreaking for so many reasons. Many artists offered their condolences and support over social media too, including Mariah Carey, Paul McCartney, Harry Styles, Drake, Taylor Swift, Little Mix and so many more. Lord shared a post that really reflected a musician standpoint, she tweeted, every musician feels sick and responsible tonight. Shows should be safe for you. Truly a worst nightmare. Sending love to Manchester and Ari. As per NBC News, Ariana's manager, Scooter Braun, shared a statement on the event saying, Scooter Braun thanked first responders who rushed towards danger to help save lives. He added, we ask you to hold all the victims, their families and all those affected in your hearts and prayers. The remaining dates of Ariana's Dangerous Woman tour were up in the air. On May 23, 2017, just hours after the attack, she flew home to Florida to stay with her mum and her boyfriend, Mac Miller. Yeah, on May 26, 2017, so three days later, she released a lengthy statement where she shared her thoughts and her feelings about the attack and announced that she would be returning to Manchester for a benefit concert. 
This was a completely touching, beautiful, thoughtful statement. It is long. We're not going to read you all of it, but we're going to read you a lot of it because Ariana's words really did the situation justice. She wrote, My heart, prayers and deepest condolences are with the victims of the Manchester attack and their loved ones. There is nothing I or anyone can do to take away the pain you are feeling or to make this better. However, I extend my hand and heart and everything I can possibly give to you and yours should you want or need my help in any way. She went on, the only thing we can do now is choose how we let this affect us and how we live our lives from here on out. I've been thinking of my fans and of you all non-stop over the past week. The way you have handled all of this has been more inspiring and made me more proud than you'll ever know. We will never be able to understand why events like this take place because it is not in our nature, which is why we shouldn't recoil. We will not quit or operate in fear. We won't let this divide us. We won't let hate win. I don't want to go the rest of the year without being able to see and hold and uplift my fans the same way they can continue to uplift me. Our response to this violence must be to come closer together, to help each other, to love more, to sing louder and to live more kindly and generously than we did before. I'll be returning to the incredibly brave city of Manchester to spend time with my fans and to have a benefit concert in honour of and to raise money for the victims and their families. She went on, when you look into the audience at my shows, you see a beautiful, diverse, pure, happy crowd. Thousands of people, incredibly different, all there for the same reason, music. Music is something that everyone on earth can share. Music is meant to heal us, to bring us together, to make us happy. So that is what it will continue to do for us. We will continue in honour of the ones we lost, their loved ones, my fans and all affected by this tragedy. They will be on my mind and in my heart every day and I will think of them with everything I do for the rest of my life, Ari. Just a really beautifully put together statement and an incredibly hard one to put together. Like you just would want to burrow into a bit of a hole, I think, but to be so public, you have to be so public as well because that is what the world demands of you. I can't really think of another celebrity who's had to navigate a situation even close to this one. No, certainly not in recent memory. And so as Ari said in that statement on May 30, 2017, One Love Manchester was announced. They pulled this together in about a week. Insane. Just insane. The concert was set to take place on Sunday, June 4, and would feature sets from Justin Bieber, Coldplay, Katy Perry, Miley Cyrus, Pharrell, Usher, Take That, Niall Horan, and Ari's boyfriend, Mac Miller, plus so much more. It was an absolutely incredible thing that they were able to do because I think to go and put on another concert when you are probably incredibly traumatised because of the last concert you put yes. on is so brave, and I don't use the word brave lightly mm. like it is it's real bravery the chosen venue for the show was emirates old trafford cricket ground in manchester it held up to fifty thousand people it was also streamed online on the bbc and radio networks and all proceeds from the concert were donated to the we love manchester emergency fund which passed the donations on to the victims and their families yeah unsurprisingly this concert sold out in just 20 minutes there were also free tickets allocated to the people who had attended that original May 22 Manchester concert. I mean, we're only talking about the space of a couple of weeks that this thing is actually happening. It's just so impressive that so many people work to get this off the ground. 
A few days before the concert, Ariana also paid a visit to the Royal Manchester Children's Hospital. As per The Independent, less than two weeks after the terrible attack on Manchester that left 22 dead, Ariana Grande has returned to the city to visit those affected by the bombing. Evie Mills, who suffered a fractured skull and wounds to her legs, chest, hip and wrist in the bombing, was left buzzing after the singer's surprise visit to the hospital. According to Evie's mother, Grande was lovely, adorable and humble as she brought sunflowers and teddy bears, hugged victims and posed for selfies. She described the visit as unbelievable and provided 30 minutes of pure happiness for her daughter and the other youngsters who were caught up in the May 22 attack. One Love Manchester did take place on June 4, 2017 and nearly 11 million people watched it live just in the UK, Mish. Wild. According to the Mirror, the show was viewed by over 100 million people worldwide. We're going to play you a little snippet of what this broadcast was like. I had the pleasure of meeting Olivia's mommy a few days ago. And as soon as I met her, I started crying and I gave her a big hug. And she said that I should stop crying because Olivia wouldn't have wanted me to cry. And then she told me that Olivia would have wanted to hear the hits. Yeah. Now, as for the donations, the Mirror reported at the time, during the concert at Old Trafford Cricket Ground alone, over £2.7 million, so what, £5.2 million AUD roughly, mm. was raised for the victims and their families, bringing the total of the We Love Manchester Emergency Fund in coordination with the British Red Cross and Manchester City Council to £10.2 million pounds. Of course, that's not including ticket sales, overall donations and money from host broadcasters. Just amazing. Yeah. In addition to hosting and performing at the concert, Ariana re-released the song one last time and a live version of Over the Rainbow with all proceeds going towards the emergency fund. Ariana, as you would expect, was universally praised for how she handled herself following the Manchester attack and for her work on the One Love Manchester concert. As per The Guardian, there were those who thought it might be a little too soon, but Grande, the performers, her fans and the wider public pulled it off. It was all over by 10pm. From the depraved dregs of humanity, the glorious blossoming of hope, a tangible act of togetherness, the salvation of pop, the perpetrators didn't get a look in. Last night, Grande displayed leadership and charisma that the Prime Minister could only stiffly dream of. What a quote. As per Enemy, the dreamlike final song of the night was Ariana's cover of Somewhere Over the Rainbow, accompanied only by smooth keys and illuminated by phone torches held aloft in the crowd. The 23-year-old's incredible composure had many in tears. This was a dignified, unifying response to tragedy, one that showed music at its most transformative. Mm, even the highly controversial right-wing commentator Piers Morgan, who had actually accused Ariana of neglecting Collecting the victims after she flew home to Florida to be with her mother and boyfriend, publicly backtracked after this concert. He actually apologised to Ariana Grande on Twitter, writing, I misjudged you, Ariana Grande, and I apologise. You're an admirable young woman, and this is a magnificent night. Respect. Yeah, if that doesn't sort of speak to the unifying power mm. of this concert, I don't know what will. Mish, we've got a lot left to cover, and we're going to do that after the break. All 
Alrighty, Mish. So we left off talking about the really successful One Love Manchester Benefit concert. It was June 2017 and Ariana at this point was 24 years old. Yeah. After One Love, she pretty much went straight back on the road for the rest of the Dangerous Woman tour. Like literally straight back on the road. As per a profile she did with The Fader, the tour picked back up after One Love Manchester and Ariana spent June, July and August on a whirlwind journey across Europe, Latin America and Asia. We pushed through and we got home and once things slowed down, everyone really started to feel it, Ariana said. That's when the process really began. We were riding the adrenaline wave and being strong with each other. Once we got home, we were like, woo, now the real work begins and I'm sobbing. The experience of the Manchester attack and its aftermath did have a profound effect on Ariana and the trajectory of her new music. Pharrell, Ariana's collaborator and producer for the new music, told The Fader that, and I quote, the events in Manchester gave a hard reset to the project's expectations. He said, in all honesty, I feel like after Manchester was when different people from the record company actually started to understand what we were trying to do. It's unfortunate that the situation is what gave it context, but they were really able to see it then. And that's the truth. Is that him saying that the way this was handled and the way they saw Ariana shifted and therefore they allowed her to maybe explore her own voice and brand more? Yeah, I wonder if it's also a point about like leadership as well, mm. like trusting her with being able to lead to and direct. Actually, yeah, and to direct. I also think that maybe the direction of this music was different mm. and they were kind of affronted by that. And then maybe after this, they could see what they were trying to do. I mean, Sweetener, the album, the idea was that it was meant to be a slightly more positive album. Mm. And I think they understood more about Ariana after this and what the music was trying to be. Yeah, for sure. So let's fast forward a little to April 2018 when Ariana dropped the first taste of this brand new music. It was a single, No Tears Left to Cry. She dropped No Tears Left to Cry, which was the first single from Sweetener to universal acclaim. As per Pitchfork, you might expect No Tears to be some kind of somber ballad and that's how it begins. But then as Grande sings, ain't got no tears left to cry, so I'm picking it up, picking it up. The percussion shuffles into a UK garage inspired beat, another little nod to Manchester. Suddenly we're right in Grande's sweet spot, soaring diva house. The results are superb, evoking turn of the millennium, vocal led garage buoyed by the kind of gospel delivery that Grande pulls off better than any of her pop peers. The reviewers really liked her. They <laughs> yeah. really liked her music. The video for the song featured a bee at the very end, which is the mascot animal of the city of Manchester. Musically, Ariana was at the top of her game with no tears left to cry, but her love life was sort of taking a bit of a turn at this point. On May 9, 2018, TMZ ran an exclusive story that reported that Ariana and Mac Miller had broken up after two years of dating. It read, we're told Ariana and Matt quietly cut off their romantic relationship after their work schedules became too busy, but they've remained best friends since then as always. Our sources say the ex-couple love each other dearly and that will continue to be the case, but again, just as close friends. With this next part of the episode as well, we did want to give a bit of a trigger warning as well that this conversation will touch on addiction and overdose. Mm. And so we want you to keep that in mind as you keep listening. Yeah. Shortly after that tabloid story went live, Ariana confirmed the breakup on social media by posting an Instagram story with a photo of her and Mac cuddling on the couch. On that Instagram story, she wrote this. 
Hi, this is one of my best friends in the whole world and favourite people on the planet, Malcolm McCormick. I respect him and adore him endlessly and I'm grateful to have had him in my life in any form, at all times, regardless of how our relationship changes or what the universe holds for each of us. Unconditional love is not selfish. It is wanting the best for that person, even if at the moment it's not you. I can't wait to know and support you forever and I'm so proud of you. Yeah, it's quite the breakup statement. It's not sort of what you're used to seeing from celebrities. On May 22, 2018, so about two weeks after we first got news from TMZ that these two were splitting, Mac Miller was arrested for driving while intoxicated after crashing his truck into an electrical pole and then running from the scene. According to Page Six, he actually blew twice the legal limit in a breathalyzer test after the accident and he was retrieved from his home by police and arrested an hour after the crash. Yeah, a tiny bit of backstory here for the next part we're about to tell you. Back in 2016, Mac had released an album called The Divine Feminine. And while many people thought this album was all about Ariana Grande, in fact, it was clarified that only one song, the song Cinderella, was written about her. That's because they only started properly dating after most of the album was already written. So one song on Mac's 2016 album was about Ariana, and that was the song Cinderella. And keep that in mind as we tell you the next part of the story. On May 24, 2018, after Mac's DUI became public news, there was quite a bit of misogynistic rumbling online about Ariana's quote-unquote role in the accident. As per W Magazine, one Twitter user's comments caught Grande's eye. The user in question wrote, Mac Miller totaling his G-Wagon and getting a DUI after Ariana Grande dumped him for another dude after he poured his heart out on a 10-song album to her called The Divine Feminine is just the most heartbreaking thing happening in Hollywood. As per The Guardian, the Twitter user only had around 100 followers when he first sent the tweet, but within 48 hours, it had been retweeted 24,000 times and liked 106,000 times. This became so popular, such a popular narrative on Twitter that Ariana actually felt compelled to directly respond to that tweet. She tweeted back, How absurd that you minimise female self-respect and self-worth by saying someone should stay in a toxic relationship because he wrote an album about them. She then clarified that The Divine Feminine wasn't about her, just one song was. She went on, I am not a babysitter or a mother and no woman should feel that they need to be. I have cared for him and tried to support his sobriety and prayed for his balance for years and always will, of course. But shaming or blaming women for a man's inability to keep his shit together is a very major problem. Of course, I didn't share about how hard or scary it was while it was happening, but it was. I will continue to pray from the bottom of my heart that he figures it all out and that any other woman in this position does as well. Just such a tough narrative to try and push against for someone who would have been doing so much behind the scenes, but respecting the privacy of your (sighs) ex-partner. But to be the one that is blamed for somebody else's actions. I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. We do it to women all the time in heterosexual relationships. But it would be super, super hard. This is the definition of what you see online or what you see in magazines is not the reality of what's going on in day-to-day life. Like, I have no doubt that this was incredibly difficult for both of them to navigate as a couple. For anyone on Twitter to even suggest that they know even a skerrick of that is like 
audacious. Completely. As per W Magazine, the Twitter user responded to Grande's tweet with his own notes up screenshot, apologising and saying he truly hopes Ariana and Mac get back to living their best lives as soon as possible. For her part, Grande appreciated the sentiment, saying, thank you for hearing me. I appreciate your response very much. Sending you love. Yeah. So who was the next boyfriend Twitter was rumbling about? It's a name that all the listeners will be very familiar with. It was Pete Davidson. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about Pete Davidson. On May 20, 2018, so it was actually just two days before Mac's DUI and 11 days after the RE Mac breakup news, Ariana performed at the Billboard Music Awards where Pete Davidson was seen with her there. Mm. As per people, after Ariana's performance, they were backstage and he had his arm around her and Onlooker told people exclusively. They seemed very lovey-dovey. He was hanging out with her and her friends with his arm around her. She seemed quite smitten. So who was Pete Davidson at this point in time? Well, in 2018, Pete Davidson was a 24-year-old comedian, actor and writer who was really known as an SNL cast member. He'd been on that show at this point for four years. Reportedly, he had met Ariana when she was actually a guest on SNL in 2014. Ari was the musical guest for the show where Pete made his SNL debut. Yeah, how's that? It's also worth noting at this point as well that Ariana wasn't the only one here who'd actually just ended a relationship. Pete had also ended his relationship with scriptwriter and actress Cassie David, who was actually also known as being Larry David's mm. daughter, in mid-May 2018, around the same time that Ari and Mac broke up. Yeah, we've spoken about this on yeah. Shameless, but let's also touch on it here because Cassie's response to Pete and Ariana's relationship was fascinating. She didn't actually touch on it until 2020 when she had a book of essays called No One Asked For This. When that was released, we learned a lot because one essay was titled Erase Me that explored Cassie's thoughts about her breakup with Pete. This is messy and it's a little bit confusing to wade through, but I think Cassie's feelings about it really made headlines at the time and people were really obsessed with this story. Yeah, we're going to paraphrase a bit of the essay, but I mean, if you want it, buy Cassie's book because it is really, it was a pretty well-received book. But in the essay, Cassie sort of revealed initially she was the one to end her relationship with Pete. She shared that his struggle with his mental health had contributed to her decision. It was a very difficult time for the both of them. Yeah. They were both dealing with a lot emotionally and it got it got hard. She even makes a suggestion at one point that like threats of self-harm from Pete's ends, that's what she's alleging, became almost manipulative in their relationship. And it was incredibly complicated because he was struggling, but then also she was going through this roller coaster with him. She said that things would go from zero to a hundred. It was very volatile. It sounded like a bad relationship at the end, essentially. Yeah. And it sounded like they were both pretty exhausted. So Cassie shared that after she ended it with Pete, that in a moment of weakness, she called him a few days later, hoping to reconcile. She said, he told me he was now the happiest he'd ever been and he wanted to continue our time apart. This 180 wasn't what I was expecting, but it wasn't unfamiliar. I said, okay. And that I loved him, tears streaming down my face. And he hung up quickly. Apparently, just after Cassie hung up the phone, Pete texted her to confirm that he wanted to continue the breakup that she had initiated just a few days before. 
It was then, during a flight with her father, Larry David, that Cassie discovered that he was actually with Ariana Grande already. She wrote, I scrolled through Twitter and saw that my ex of one day had a new girlfriend. I think I probably left my human body. Dad held me as I shook uncontrollably in his arms for the entire flight. Just a couple of days later, Cassie alleged that Pete was showing off his newly covered up tattoos that were once dedicated to Cassie. She said the first thing I saw was a picture he'd uploaded of himself with his hand covering his face to show off his new finger tattoos. My name, which had been written in cursive across his ring finger, was now covered over in black ink. Another tattoo he had of my favourite emoji, yes, I know how fucking absurd that sounds, was now replaced with a matching tattoo he got with her of what I guess was Ariana's favourite emoji. Oh. As per E! News in this essay erased me, Kazzy also shared how difficult it was to move on while Pete and Ariana's relationship was super public. She said, it wasn't a regular relationship or even a regular celebrity relationship. It was abnormally unavoidable, everywhere and obsessed over by everyone. Even people's out-of-touch parents knew about it. The two of them offered their relationship to the media eagerly and with pleasure, like a suicidal brunette walking into Ted Bundy's apartment. Okay, like me walking into Ted Bundy's apartment. Oh, God. It's just, um, it's kind of sickening to read how quickly this all happened and how you would be trying to navigate heartbreak while your ex-boyfriend is off flaunting the biggest celebrity relationship. Like, this was the main celebrity story of mid-2018. Absolutely. It's the biggest celebrity relationship I can remember in terms of it going from zero to 100 and Cassie wrote in this essay that she would do her best to avoid any coverage of their romance by not looking at her phone writing the few times I did I'd come across their new photos or tattoos or statements and the relentless articles I avoided the explore page at all costs it was a legitimate war zone any scrolling would have killed off the few living cells I had remaining she actually went on to admit she kept track of her friends who liked something that implied support for either of them explaining she felt betrayed by the double tap. She wrote, I couldn't see past my own experience and so it was as if the entire internet was pouring alcohol all over my open wound. To be honest, fair enough. I feel like that's a shitty friend thing to do. Kazzy also revealed that she was harassed by Ariana Stans online. She wrote, the fans really wanted to make sure I knew how I was inferior to Ariana in every way, which is absurd because like how stupid do you have to be to think I would not be aware of that at this moment in time? We're going to get back to the timeline because it's May 30, 2018, and Ariana and Pete are Instagram official. On his account, Pete announced the relationship with a photo of himself and Ariana dressed in Harry Potter wizard robes. He captioned the post, the Chamber of Secrets has been opened. Ariana commented saying, you trying to slither in? I'm deleting my account now. (laughs) (laughs) Over the next few weeks, Pete and Ari made their love permanent with, as we mentioned, several matching tattoos, including matching clouds on their fingers, the word reborn on their thumbs, H2GKMO, which is, honest to God, knock me out, which is apparently Ariana's favourite saying. (laughs) And that was on their thumbs. A French phrase called mille tendresse. Tendresse. <laughs> You're normally our French pronunciation. Sounded a bit Spanish <laughs> from mine, which is a thousand tendernesses on the back of their necks. Ariana actually already had that, but Pete got it matching on his. Ariana also got a tattoo of Pete's late father's firefighter ID number on her foot, which he had tattooed on his arm. For those who don't know, his dad really tragically passed away on 9-11. And then Pete also got the dangerous woman bunny ears tattooed behind his ear. And Ariana had Pete tattooed on her ring finger. A lot. It's a lot. I wonder what it is about celebrities that means that they do want to go from zero to 100. Is it like 
it's like a life raft. You find someone else going through an oddly similar thing to you and you just latch on and try and like imprint yourself on them. It's sort of maybe like this elevated experience of life that none of us will really understand, I think, truly. Now, obviously, it goes without saying, this was happening really quickly and the media had a field day. Cosmo ran a story at the time with the headline, Why I'm Especially Here for Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson, which read, These two humans have been through it. They deserve this blitz of romantic joy. I eat up their little flirty comments on each other's Instagrams. I love that they're posting snuggly pics after like six hours together. Let these people feel some infatuation. Do you know how rare it is to feel that insane, gotta have ya, let's read Harry Potter together all night, we can't sleep because we're so excited to get to know each other feeling it's truly rare let them seize it yeah it was also this relationship that popularized the phrase big dick energy (laughs) or bde it had been floating around like this idea of big dick energy had been floating around on twitter for a little while but when ariana started dating pete it was like pete became the bde poster boy he was the face of big dick energy Absolutely. It sort of became synonymous with Pete Davidson after Ariana actually shared the track list for her upcoming album, Sweetener, and responding to a fan who asked how long the track Pete Davidson would be. Yes, there was a track called (laughs) Pete Davidson. She tweeted, like 10 inches. Oh, fuck. I mean, like a little over a minute. She deleted the tweet shortly after. However, as Vox pointed out at the time, even though Grande's tweet about Davidson refers to literal inches, it's more about attitude and personality than it is anatomy. BDE is not about brandishing large, flapping genitalia <laughs> when someone insults you or constantly proving to people that you possess a BD. BDE is the complete opposite. It's the self-confidence to know that a colossal endowment isn't a measurement of one's value. BDE might stem from having a literal BD, but it's not dependent upon any sort of genitalia. And in fact, perhaps the epitome of BDE is the complete security of not needing other people's benchmarks, wealth, intelligence, beauty, or a BD to know one's own worth. (laughs) It's basically self-confidence. Self-confidence. Self-confidence got rebranded. Yeah. For an example of how people were talking about Pete Davidson's BDE at the time, Twitter user at babyvietcom was quoted in this same Vox piece with the following tweet. Pete Davidson is six foot three with dark circles, exudes big dick energy, looks evil but apparently is an angel and loves his girl publicly. The only thing wrong with him is that he's a Scorpio but anyway, I'd marry him within a month too. So you might be wondering, wait, married within a month? Yes, you've heard that right. (laughs) On June 11, 2018, people confirmed that after dating for just a few weeks, Ariana and Pete were engaged. They reported, it's a recent engagement. They're just two people who found love quickly and make each other happy all the time. They both started talking about it this past weekend. It's nothing they've been hiding. The ring, according to TMZ, was worth nearly $100,000. Yes, it was a piece that was custom made for Ariana, according to TMZ. Sources close to the couple told the publication that Davidson picked up the $93,000 three-carat diamond set in platinum last month, which means that he he must have picked it up basically as soon as they met. 100%. (laughs) Like, how gets rings made that quickly? In an interview with Variety, Pete explained how he proposed. He said, I didn't want to do something corny. We were in bed hanging out after watching a movie. I was like, will you marry me? It was really dope. I'm still convinced she's blind or hit her head really hard. Something is going to happen and she's going to be like, what the fuck is this thing doing around? For right now... It's rocking. Well, that's a little bit of foreshadowing. I was going to say, <laughs> a little bit awkward. Ariana spoke to Paper about the relationship and her decision to name a track on Sweetener 
after Pete. She said, I have an interlude on my album called Pete Davidson because I didn't know what else to call it. I played it for Tyler, the creator, and he was like, I guess the title makes sense because if I wrote a song about how much I loved waffles and syrup, I'd call it Waffles and Syrup. (laughs) Simple. Some of the lyrics in Pete Davidson include, Universe must have my back, fell from the sky into my lap, and I know you know that you're my soulmate and all that. Yeah, so Ariana seemed to be in a pretty good place in her life. She was engaged. Her new album, Sweetener, was out and getting rave reviews too. But it might be a good place to note, however, that Ari was definitely dealing with some serious mental health issues after the Manchester attack. In an interview with British Vogue, she shared that she was experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety. She said, I know those families and my fans and everyone there experienced a tremendous amount of PTSD as well. It's hard to talk about because so many people have suffered such severe, tremendous loss. I feel like I shouldn't even be talking about my own experience, like I shouldn't even say anything. I don't think I'll ever know how to talk about it and not cry. I think a lot of people have anxiety, especially right now. My anxiety has anxiety. I've always had anxiety. I've never really spoken about it because I thought everyone had it. But when I got home from our tour in September 2017, it was the most severe it's ever been. Yeah, sadly, we now have to turn to another tragedy in Ariana's life because on September 7, 2018, TMZ ran the following story. Mac Miller dead at 26, apparent overdose. The article read, law enforcement sources tell TMZ Mac was found Friday around noon in a bedroom at his San Fernando Valley home and he was pronounced dead at the scene. Miller had battled substance abuse for many years, something that came up again in the wake of his breakup with Ariana Grande. After their breakup, Ariana made it clear his substance abuse had been a deal breaker in their two-year relationship. I've got to say, I don't like that reporting. Like, Mm. we're saying he's battled substance abuse for years. Something that came up again in the wake of his breakup with Ariana Grande. But we know for a fact, Ariana has said the entire time, in real time, that it was his battle with sobriety that made her eventually leave. He wasn't sober when they broke up. So to pin that on his breakup feels not just factually incorrect, it feels unfair. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think it's like a really prime example of how real specificity of language is important around times like this when something is so serious and so tragic. Words do matter and the way that words are framed really do matter and like it's not enough to just say that it might have been clumsy wording. It was later confirmed that Mac had passed away after ingesting a mix of fentanyl, alcohol and cocaine. His death was categorised as an accidental overdose by law authorities and did spark a lengthy investigation into who sold Mac the drugs, some of which were falsely labelled. Of course, the world was rocked by Mac's sudden passing. I mean, this was a kid who was recognised as like a musical genius, Mm. basically. Many musicians and celebrities shared their condolences online, including Wiz Khalifa, Chance the Rapper, Solange Knowles, Shawn Mendes, Post Malone, Pusha T, Halsey, Questlove, and so, so many more. Yeah, many looked to Ariana for her response, which didn't come right away as you might expect, and for very good reason. Because on September 7, the day Mac's death first hit the news, Ariana was forced to close comments on her social media accounts due to trolling. As per New York Magazine's The Cut, hours after 26-year-old rapper Mac Miller was found dead on Friday afternoon, internet trolls started harassing his ex-girlfriend Ariana Grande. Vitriolic comments flooded her Instagram account and her comment section was turned off within hours of the news. Miller fans appeared to go after the singer, blaming her for his death. Similar comments, including death threats, appeared on Twitter. 
A couple of days after that, Ariana posted a black and white photo of Mac looking up at the camera with no caption. And then on September 14, she posted a video of him laughing and wearing a black sweater with the words, everything will be okay. Yeah, in the caption she wrote, I adored you from the day I met you when I was 19 and I always will. I can't believe you aren't here anymore. I really can't wrap my head around it. We talked about this so many times. I'm so mad. I'm so sad. I don't know what to do. You are my dearest friend for so long above anything else. I am so sorry I couldn't fix or take your pain away. I really wanted to. The kindest, sweetest soul with demons he never deserved. I hope you're okay now. Rest. Oh, She's just been... Through it. So much. It was around this time that a longtime friend of Mac Miller named Shane Powers actually came to Ari's defense on his podcast. On that episode, he said, Ariana and Mac were together and they were very much in love. And I have to say, she was incredible when he was first sobering up. She was a fucking G to him. There could not have been anybody more supportive of Mac being sober than Ariana. I saw that. I was around it. I took phone calls from her. How do I help? What do I do? This little girl was unbelievably involved and helpful to him being healthy. Because whether he's an addict or not, the way that Mac partied was not healthy. There was no one in his life life more ready to go to the wall for him when it came to being sober and she was an unbelievably stabilizing force in his life and she was deeply helpful and effective in keeping Mac sober and helping him get sober and she was all about him being healthy period in this area of his life. It's wonderful that someone (sighs) defended her. Yeah I mean in many ways I would hope that it sort of goes without saying that this was likely what was happening behind closed doors anyway but I think The sad part about this is people needed to be explicit about it and say how it was Mm -hmm. because people were assuming the worst. Now, over the years, more has come to light about the nature of Ariana and Mac's relationship and how much she really was this stabilising force for him. Reporting on a new biography of Mac Miller in 2022, the son's Luke Kenton wrote in his new book, Most Dope, The Extraordinary Life of Mac Miller, author Paul Cantor unearths the extent Ariana Grande went to in order to keep Mac Miller away from drugs and drink. Mac's longtime DJ, Clockwork, told Cantor that Ariana was, and I quote, a huge reason why he stayed sober during their relationship. Being with her made him want to stay sober, he's quoted saying in the book. He was taking everything seriously. He was in love. He was making money doing shows. After shows, he wouldn't even go to the green room. Sometimes he'd kick us out and he'd just talk to her right after the show. We all knew that was good for him, Clockwork added. When he was with her, he was completely 100% sober. But when he wasn't in Ariana's sights, concern for Miller persisted. Yeah, it went on. Mac would reportedly disappear for three to four days at a time, failing to tell anyone where he was or where he'd been. Mac's vanishing act reportedly caused frequent concern for Ariana, who would frantically text his friends asking if they'd heard from him. Mac's producer and longtime friend Big Germ said, there would be times when Ariana would text me. She'd be blowing me up. She couldn't get in touch with him. And it's like, yeah, he's not with me either. So I mean, she could be dramatic. But when I say dramatic, she assumed the worst. She knew things from the drug stuff before. She was very protective of him in a loving kind of way. She just wanted to make sure he was safe. The amount of stress 
that oh. she would have been under throughout that relationship. People dis- like someone disappearing for days at a time. And also people dismissing it as dramatic when in reality she was the one that knew how bad this was. Yeah. She was the one that knew the most. And also you can imagine that when these kind of things are involved and someone's disappeared and not contactable for days at a time, maybe they're also not being the best partner simultaneously. And anyone who's expecting her to stay around and stick it out That's just such an unfair hurdle to place in front of any woman. Absolutely. Ariana would eventually share more thoughts on Max passing and how it so deeply affected her later with Vogue. But before we get there, we need to talk about her relationship with Pete Davidson and what happened there. But we're going to do that on the next episode because we've sort of run out of time. We've run out of time. It's been another just so this has been a really intensely heavy episode and we knew this was going to come because it is Ariana Grande's life but I think when you hear it like this and you see it synthesized in a way that it's back to back to back in the actual timeline my heart breaks for this woman yeah like I actually don't think I've been as affected by a scandal series where I've gone Jesus like she has been through it through it yeah I think for me anyway not to be overly earnest, but what I find helpful about doing these episodes across the board since we started Scandal is often it's like an exercise in empathy. And humanity. Yeah. yeah. When you kind of speak about someone's life in its entirety, you get the full picture and you understand like, oh, like there's a lot here and maybe they make the odd mistake here and there, but in the grand scheme of what they've been through, boy, I'd probably be in a much worse Worst place. place. Yeah. A big thank you, as always, to our researcher, Eilish Gilligan, and our audio editor, Annabelle Lee. We still have a whole other episode to come, as we mention all the time. If you want to listen to that right now, subscribe to Shane Moore on Apple or Spotify. You can listen to it right now. Otherwise, for the rest of you, the next part will drop on Monday, and we will be back in your ears on Thursday. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly, style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.